Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. And if you just read you, this is a test transmission. It opens a new and, I think, exciting chapter in the story of radio. This is going to be a service to provide a tremendous amount of information and satisfy a lot of different interests. I was always itching to shake it during a program. In the air, on the river and underground. We hope very much that uh, Derek can hear us. Can you hear us? From Resonance 104.4 FM and Social Broadcast, this is Transmitter. The radio show from xmtr.fm, a new space dedicated to sonic storytelling, original sounds, new voices and archive treasures from radio broadcasts, podcasts and sound art across the globe. I'm Lucia Skadzokio and I've been scanning the digital soundscape to cut through the noise. The next hour has a distinctly European flavour and we'll be showcasing work from the Italian radio platform Radio Papese, the Belgian space for sonic creations Radio La, as well as something from the prolific Italian multimedia artist Christina Maris and a short piece from the Social Broadcast Archive. To start this mini-European tour, it seems sensible to get to grips with the English language from a non-native perspective. Sound artist Anna Raimondo, like me, has four languages in her life, French, Italian, Spanish and English, and decided that it would be sensible to get some phonetic training to help her achieve a proper British accent. Her Henry Higgins happens to be Australian, and the results teeter between absurd and endearing. Here's Anna Raimundo's Me, My English, and All the Languages of My Life. Me. 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 Now, round it more. Make it doughy. Me. Me. Not like me, mm. okay? Take it away from being the nasal and give it more air and more space at the back. Put it back a little bit here. Me. Me. E. 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 Yes. E. Me. Me. I. And then you drop down your palate. Me. Me. Yeah. Like you're breathing a bouquet of flowers. Me. Me. Yes. Okay, so my, my, ma, my, mamma mia, mamma, my, my, yes, my, yes, my, yeah, wow, sh, sh, li, sh, gule de, gule sh, li, sh, English, 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 li, sh, 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 English, 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 English. No, here I cannot. Mm. Ing, I got it. Yeah, ing. Yeah. Ing. Like ing. put it in your mouth and enjoy ing. the ng. No, g. Ing. English. No. Mm. Yes, but not sh. Le sh, le sh. Like this. English. Ing. English. No. Yeah, I nearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like English. 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 Can you do a white noise sound? Yes. That's how it is. English. Okay. English. Yes. English. No. Yes. Ah, yes? Better. Yeah. English. Yes. English. Okay. Yes. English. Yes. <laughs> English. <laughs> okay. So it's me. Yes. Me, my English, and all the languages. All. 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 Yes. All. Yes. All. Okay. Yes. Me, my English, and all the languages, the languages oh. of. Of. Oh. Of 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 me my English and all all open your mouth okay me my English and all the languages 
of my life. Ho 34 anni e quattro lingue mi abitano. Italian e il mio accento napoletano. Neapolitan accent si attacca a tutte le parole che pronuncio, in tutte le lingue che parlo. È la mia appartenenza. My accent, la mia identità. Is part of my identity. What would happen if the same voice did change accent? Thanks. No worries. I normally dream in Italian. Svegliarsi in francese. Wake up speaking in French. And during the day, I also work in Spanish and English. Zuppa di lingua. Every day, I feel immersed and swim around in a soup of languages. Lingue. Ah. Ah. Uh huh. Number one is ah. The task, the task was, was the last. The past master could grasp. But one can't mark his charm harmfully. One can mark his charm harmfully. Yeah. Okay. So one can't. Aunt. Can't. Ogni giorno mi sento immersa e nuoto in una zuppa di lingue. If there was a linguistic muscle, I could say that I'm a muscular person. Master. Master. Not er, but master. Master. No, ah. Master. 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 It's an ah sound at the end of master. It's super complicated. It's like I have to say master. Yeah. Master. Yeah, but no. we don't. We say master. Master. No, because master. Master. No, no. master. The R, you then do not pronounce it. Master. 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 Nearly. Master. Ah. Master. Ah. Master. Ah. Yeah. Master. Master. <laughs> master. Rasta. Think of Rasta. Rasta. Master. Oh. Okay, resta, master. Yes! <laughs> Good, okay. The task was, was the last, the last. That the past, that the past. Now watch it, that. Because that, uh, uh, I say that, that and mm. that. that. Yeah, exactly. The task yeah. was the last, that the past master could grasp, but one can't mark his charm harmfully. Ma che significa? What does it mean? I associate each language with a pair of shoes. French is a pair of black ballet pumps. I feel light and elegant while speaking it. English is a pair of white gym shoes. I feel I run through concepts in this language. Spanish is a pair of sensual sandals, a language of exhibition and skin. Italian is a pair of comfortable and beautiful slippers. I feel at home and safe with its vocabulary. Sometimes when you're singing songs, it also helps, you know, you, mm-hmm. you get the accent to, to mimic mm. somebody. Um, and maybe, um, uh, I don't know, um, I was thinking of artists and songs and accents that could be useful. Um, do you know any of the Eurythmic songs? Of course, sweet dreams are made of Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Annie Lennox's voice is quite good in that regard, you know. It's easy to listen to her accent and it's good to, to mimic. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah, good. Sweet dreams are made of this. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world and the seven seas. Everybody is looking for something. Some of them want to use you. 
Some of them want to get used by you Some of them want to abuse you Some of them want to be abused Speaking one language rather than another is to me a form of teleportation. Keep your head up. Hold your head up. Keep your head up. Moving on. Hold your head up. Moving on. Keep your head up. Moving on. Hold your head up. Keep your head up. Each language Each language, each, it takes me to different places and times. Italian. Italian. No, not too much. Italian. You know, no. Italian. Italian. Very good. Italian. Italiano. 1981. It was born with me in Naples. Napoli. Naples. Napoli. Naples. Naples. Mamma. With the very Ma, first mama. word I articulated. Mum, mamma, mum, mamma. English, 1992. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. It It makes me think back to all the rock bands I listened to when I was adolescent. an adolescent. 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 Spanish, Espanol, 2004, 2004, my first experience of living alone abroad in Madrid. The pleasure to learn the sound of a new letter. 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 The pleasure to learn the sound of a new letter. Letter. The pleasure to learn the sound of a new letter. Will I be able to get the right accent? The pleasure to learn the pleasure to learn the sound of a new letter. The Jota. Jaime baja la jauna, Jaime baja la jauna, Jaime baja la jauna, Jaime baja la jauna, Jaime baja la jauna. Francis. French. 2008. The language of my longest love relationship. So I learned French because I was in love with a French speaker. Actually, in French. Actually, in French. I have, I have a specific know-how know in making, making love, declarations. love declarations. Good. Very good. Two seconds to go. There's the bell. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I love you. 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 Okay. Let's think about love. Saying I love you makes me think of uh, a cheap stuffed animal with a red, with heart. A red heart in the middle heart. that you can push to hear I love you 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 and which is the Italian way to say it? I love you je t'aime je je the sound of je t'aime in French makes me think je t'aime je slippery territory in re, which re, you can to, easily to, fall re, down. Re. Te amo in Spanish makes me think of something round. Te amo. And this could be a vicious cycle. Te amo. Te amo in te Italian amo. resonates like a dive in a deep blue sea. Te amo. Now don't forget, um, the idea is to keep this egg in your mouth. It makes you open your mouth more. And that's oh open my mouth oh 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 yeah open open my mouth open your mouth much more to have the egg inside so you feel like you've got oh. a lot of space okay oh, yeah oh, oh. and think about the posh ladies okay the okay. posh soul okay yeah. so what is the latest from your aging Romeo if it's of interest I haven't heard anything from him since you and I last met oh. If it's your interest. If it's of interest, I haven't heard anything from him since you and I last met. I haven't I haven't heard. If it's in your interest, I've I haven't heard. I haven't heard anything from him since you and I I haven't heard something I You're aging Romeo. If it's of interest, I haven't heard anything from him since you I haven't heard something about you. <laughs>
In Italian, my tongue twists and I feel like I'm singing. In French, I had to unlearn to roll the R. And leave the mouth half closed when I want to sound less Italian. Si ton 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 tor ton 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 sera tenu. Anyway, I always feel in love when I'm speaking French. In Spanish, I should let glimpse my tongue between the teeth. See, don't see. A funny exercise to feel uninhibited. In English, I should think to have an hug in my mouth. While I don't feel sexy, at least I can feel clever. If it's a new interest, I haven't heard you anything from you since our last met. Oh, how disappointing. Oh, how disappointing. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. It's all like this. You've got toffee in your mouth. You know, yeah. chew, 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 open, 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 and elongate. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've made a major improvement, I must say. So, how do you feel about that? Actually, my major problem is the E. Yes, I feel I'm able to travel from one language to another. But to be honest, my accent resists, persists and follows me no matter the language I'm speaking. I like starting smiling. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Apples. Yeah! Accent. Yeah! <laughs> so I have to think about Very starting good. smiling. Like, yeah. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Very good. My name is Anna Raimondo. My name is Anna Raimondo. In French, In French they call me Anna Raimondo. Anna Raimondo. In Spanish, Anna Raimondo. Anna Raimondo. In English, In English Anna Raimondo. Anna Raimondo. In Italian, I repeat, in Italian, I repeat, I am Anna Raimondo. I am Anna Raimondo. Only one N for, for the name, name Anna. Anna. And this is my accent when I speak English. That was Me, My English and All the Languages of My Life by Anna Raimondo. And it's just one of the many sound works you can hear on radiola.be by the Atelier de Création Sonore Radiophonique in Brussels. Next, we're going to take a sort of road trip in Sardinia along the Barbara Mining Trail, but also on a more personal trip down a memory lane belonging to Italian radio maker Christina Maris. As she goes on this 500k pilgrimage with her friend who also happens to be called Christina Maris. This journey starts with the distinct smell of motor oil the smell of naphtha. It's the smell of naphtha, motor oil. It permeates my father's work clothes. Some nights, when he comes home from his shift, it must be well past bedtime because uh, his shift ends at 10 p.m. and I don't remember whether he already had a car back then or whether he walked the 10 k's from the factory. Well, anyway, I'm watching a movie with my mom late at night, well past my bedtime. Mom is sitting on a chair we didn't have a sofa back then. And I am sitting next to her on a lower chair so that I can rest my head on a lap if I get too tired. And when I go back to an upright position, I grab onto her leg, sometimes just a piece of fabric from a dress. Because in the dark, I fear that she could she might suddenly disappear. Adults always do inexplicable things that don't make any sense to me. 
so she could well disappear, like by magic. But then my father comes home from his shift and the house is suddenly alive, despite it being late at night. And that pretends to be a little bit cross because I'm not already sleeping, unlike my older brother. Then he starts chatting with my mom. And while he tells mom about his working day, always full of adventures, he takes me absent-mindedly into his arms. And I am surrounded by the smell of oil. Never mind that the rigid fabric of his blue overalls stings and that the pungent smell of naphtha submerges my senses. In my memory, this smell, naphtha, motor oil, is forever linked to my dad. Hang on. What, what are, are we? we? Who are we? And why are we here? Ma tutto questo stai registrando? Certo. Devo capire come funziona questo geolocalizzatore. Lo stiamo testando, signori. It's me and my namesake friend, also Cristina Marras. We are meeting at Down to go on a four-day hike along the mining trail of St. Barbara. Arriva! All'orizzonte! Eccola che arriva! I only slept a few hours, asleep crowded with nightmares, constantly looking at the clock to check the time, fearing to oversleep. And now, we are here, darkness all around, excited like two school kids on a field trip. Saint Barbara is the patron saint of firefighters, artillery, armorers, military engineers, gunsmiths, and anyone else who works with explosives. Therefore, following the adoption of gunpowder for mining in the 1600s, she is also the patron saint of miners, tunnelers, and all underground workers. The mining trail of St. Barbara is a 500-case itinerary across the Sulcis mining area of Sardinia. Grueling isolated goat trails swept by the ubiquitous mistral wind, but also breathtaking glimpses of views and beaches with water so crystalline that it always reminds me of stained glass windows in churches. But before being able to start our hike, we must receive the pilgrim's credentials that will grant us a welcome and hospitality in the various destinations along the journey. Being this a trail dedicated to a saint, it is only logical that it should start from a church. love it, because no one like the Catholic Church is good at transforming the stamping of a piece of paper into a grandiose event. We have to drive an hour to attend the first Mass at the Sanctuary of the Virgin of the Good Path in the town of Iglesias, from where the first leg of our journey starts. Santuario della Vergine del Buon Cammino. 
the words swell inside my mouth and populate my mind with mythological creatures, quests, dragon slayers, and uh, princesses kept captive inside unreachable towers. And aren't the young cloistered nuns who sing hymns to the Lord, aren't they just as unreachable as princesses kept captive inside a tower? We are informed that our journey will start after one of these invisible young nuns. So young, oh, so young. Fixes the first stamp on a pilgrim pass to certify our status as pilgrims on the trail. There are too many questions that come to mind, envisaging the mysterious nuns hidden behind the grates, angelic voices praising the glory of the Lord. After Mass, we are sent to wait inside the refectory. And we wait, excited, our heavy backpacks neatly lined at our feet, waiting to get dirty but clean and brand new for the moment. Once the end of the nun finally appears between the grades, to collect our pass, we cannot resist. And with one simple question, we managed to blunder it all. Because you shouldn't ask a cloistered nun to take a picture, but we do. And the young cloistered nun shields herself coy and says, no, sorry, I'm not familiar with such things. And only now we realize our faux pas and apologize profusely, but we also cringe inside at our lack of tact, because despite all our anthropological and philosophical readings, despite the books about customs and habits and new colonialism and choice, despite all that, here we are, giddily extending a mobile phone to a cloistered nun for her to take a picture to embellish our timeline. Women unable to understand other women's choices. I'm pretty sure that my mother hated it, the smell of naphtha in my father's work clothes. At least she would forever complain because uh, the smell seemed to saturate the fabric. No matter the amount of soap or washing or hard craft she would submit it to. A faint trace of smell always lingering, even, even in the, the cleanest, cleanest of, of clothes. That smell. And, mind you, my dad loved to exaggerate with aftershave and cologne. And when he wore his Sunday's best, uh, when we went to church as a family, he left a trail of scented cologne behind. But that, I cannot remember, unlike the pungent smell of motor oil. Allora, buon cammino, buon cammino. Here, look, here he is, standing at the top of a very high scaffolding. You have to know that he is there and to squint to see him. In another one, he is kneeling on the ground at the front of a dozen or so of other workers, dusty. So much dust that I can smell it across the half a century that divides me from the time when the photo was taken. In another one, my father is very young, and yet he looks exactly the way I remember him. Because uh, when I think of you, Dad, you are young and funny. Hilarious, actually, full of tricks and stories and adventures and riddles and games and 
all of the best things that the child could wish for. We have just been walking for four hours or so. We have already learned how to pace ourselves to the weight of the backpack, to the wind, to the ups and downs of the trail. Allora, adesso io guarderò un'altra cosa, cioè la Google Maps. Google Maps, sì. Google Maps cerca qui la mia posizione. It's cold, it's winter. But I'm sweating, climbing a hill of which I cannot see the end. We haven't met anyone. And if it weren't for the signs marking the path, we could be in the middle of nowhere. We are in the middle of nowhere. This is all mining land. You can tell by the scars left in the rock, by the chunks of mountains, by the mounds of stone debris piled up. Leftovers of a great future that never was. You see how sad and beautiful is the land. And the name feels like a lolly in your mouth. Monteboni. Comunque adesso credo che stiamo andando verso il Pozzo Sella. On the last descent before arriving at Pozzo Sella, we pass a magnificent example of industrial architecture from the late 1800s, when factories were given merlons and ornate windows. Oh, you see that? Yeah, that. That is a large construction, really a magnificent infrastructure aimed really at solving the problem of uh, the drainage of, of uh, groundwater and of, uh, of the, uh, yeah, of the uh, metalliferous uh, basin, which really did uh, prevent the, uh, ex the uh, excavation and uh, uh, extraction of minerals from really developing uh, in depth. Um, and also these uh, external structures of the uh, Pozzo Sella, which have like a really particular architectural value, as you can see, are, uh, are uh, the housing of the uh, adduction pumps and of uh, the various steam machines with boilers and the mechanical uh, workshops, as well as uh, the forge and carpentry. We are almost there, step by step by step by step. But first we pass this round structure. What is it? It reminds me of a blind colosseum without windows. A colosseum where instead of lions and gladiators, you have uh, workplace injuries and deaths or retirement, followed by solicosis and emphysema. When we finally enter Pozzo Sella, the smell of nafta is so overwhelming that uh, I can almost see my dad in his work overalls or with a dusty singlet. But he is not here, as he died over 15 years ago, drowned by the same dust that used to bring his daily bread our daily bread. In heaven, give, give us this day our, our daily bread, bread and forgive us of our trespasses and as we forgive those Did I learn how to pronounce these words as a small child, listening to my father's uh, phantasmagorical adventures? I do not know whether you ever set foot inside Pozzosella, Dad. I doubt it. 
as uh, by the time the works to restructure and open it again started, you had already been retired for a long time. You were probably already bedridden, linked to the inseparable oxygen tank. But while I'm here visiting Pozzosella in Monteponi, and this name, and this smell, the smell of oil, trigger memories of you, of late nights when you came home from your work shift, when all your magnificent future was still all ahead of you, and mother and I forgot to watch the late night movie to welcome you home, dust and oil and all. And while I'm here and while I'm happy and I'm enjoying this walk, this path of discovery, I feel that something is missing. And that's something that it's you. That was The Smell of Naptha by Christina Maris. Kind of makes me feel like going on my own Italian pilgrimage now. And as Christina suggests, I'll be sure to listen to the wind and whisper something to the goats. You can hear more of her audio adventures at christinamaras.com. Back to the UK now, to Peterborough, and more specifically to the Portuguese area just off the Lincoln Road, where Francesco Costa is having an after-work glass of wine at Tasca, a Portuguese canteen, complete with football on the TV and cakes and stews behind the glass counter. This is an extract from Love and Life on Lincoln Road. In a Portuguese restaurant, so many Portuguese restaurants here in Peterborough. The best dish I like is uh, codfish bacalao, it's called bacalao in Portuguese, and the cozido portuguesa. Cozido portuguesa is mixed uh, salsa, pork, chicken, vegetables. It's nice, it's nice, it's nice. My name is Francisco Costa. I'm Portuguese. I used to live in the uh, United States for uh, 25 years. I came to UK in 2007. I'm working here. I just came because uh, I talked to my brother, and they say my cousin's here. And I've to see my cousin for about 30 years. So. And I came to see him. So I want to tell you the truth. When uh, my cousin picked me up in the train station, he's so happy to see me, you know, and I said to him, This is Peterborough? He said, Yeah, I said, Oh, God. And uh, I'm supposed to stay one week, and I stay. 12 years. <laughs> I've been in Orme for about eight years. I've been in Orme in Angola, in Portugal, and then I went to Beirut in 1982 in uh, Lebanon. It's terrible. I used to have uh, nightmares. I'm wounded. My legs, and my back. I don't like to remember because it's, it's very sad. Very sad. So I uh, used to be in the Special Force Commandos. I used to be 82 kilos, too, you know, big man. <laughs> because you're not a big man now. No, nah, I'm very skinny now. Yes, I lose a lot of weight since my wife is passed away, my daughter, depression, you know. So you went from the army and then you went to America and started working there? That's right, I worked there. Yeah. My wife, she's America. It's, uh, our mother is Irish and the father is England. And how did you meet your wife? She's in a hospital when I was there, when I'm wounded. Oh, she was your nurse? No. Yes. <laughs> Tell me that story. <laughs> and uh, when he sent me to the hospital, I used to see some nurses coming to me all the time. She's so very nice. She's I miss her very much, you know, she's, she's very nice. She's play with me, talking, and, uh, thoughts through my head, you're going to be okay, things like that, you know. And then she asked me if I have family there, whatever, I said, no, I'm not anywhere. And she said, when 
you get out of the hospital, I want to take you to my house. You're going to meet my brothers, my sisters. I say, okay, and let's just start. And we marry. <laughs> I used to have two daughters from my, my wife. When he died, my wife died. I have one daughter and grandsons and granddaughters. And my first marriage in Portugal, I have two boys. 40 years old and 39 years old. I have uh, four brothers more. I'm the youngest. And uh, we have education from my parents. We have to work. We have to help each other. And uh, all my life I'm worth. In Portugal, the life is very expensive. Rich people, beautiful life there. Working people, you can survive. That's why people go to another country. No matter what I want to do, I don't like factories, I hate factories. So you said at the moment you're working night shift? So it's called Clipper, it's from close. It's an easy job, it's a knowing job because we stop like one hour or two hours to bring the labels to us, to put in the clothes, sell price, things like that, you know. I never did this before, but I work to building new, new cells in a Peterborough prison. I worked there for two years. The bosses like me, everything, because I do digger machines, everything, groundwork, everything. In the meantime, I meet one lady, Brazilian, and uh, we finished the job there, and my boss said to me, uh, Francisco, you coming with us to Newcastle now? I said, no, I can't. Why not? Why not? We like you. You good work with us. No, but I can Why? He started looking at me, you know. He said, you find somebody. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a girlfriend now. I don't want to leave my girlfriend, so. And uh, I stay here. And are you still with your Brazilian lady? No, she went back to Brazil. <laughs> What's the next stage of your life? What I want to do is uh, to find somebody to be together for the rest of my life. Because I'm a good man, I respect, I never treat anybody bad. And I deserve to treat me in some way. Let's see. That was Francesco Costa, Love and Life on Lincoln Road, recorded and produced by me as part of a collection of audio portraits of One Street in Peterborough for Hunt and Darton's Radio Local. Now, imagine a camera zooming up from Lincoln Road, up from Peterborough, up from Britain and Europe, and then the Earth, and now we can see the Earth from space. But then we hurtle down towards Alabama in the US. And it's 1954, and Kate Donovan begins her story, Meteor Bodies. Let's get comfy. Really comfy. So we just had lunch. And uh, I, I wanted to tell you a story, actually. I wanted to tell you a story about meteors and meteorites, and radio waves. Meteorites are rocky or metallic bodies from outer space that have come to land on a planet or a moon. But meteors... Meteors are the phenomena of these bodies burning up in the atmosphere. They aren't objects. Meteors are bodies of process. Meteor bodies are bodies of encounter. We're on the couch and it's um, early afternoon. So yeah, I wanted to tell you about um, somebody in rural Alabama. On the other side of the trees from the drive-in theater called the Comet, the body of a woman was lying on a couch. It was winter time. It was the 30th of November, 1954. It was early winter. It was the middle of the day, and, and 
she wasn't feeling very well. And so after lunch? She decided to take a nap on the couch in the living room. And? And her mum was there. Her mum was in the, in the house at the same time. I think she was... She was sewing in the early afternoon. Um, in a different room. Parent bodies are the celestial bodies that meteors and meteorites originate from. Ever since we broke away from parent bodies, we've been rushing through the darkness, slowly accumulating. And uh, this lady, she, um, she went into the living room and put a blanket on. She got comfy on the couch, like she got blankets and um, she got all set up to have a, a sleep. Planets and moons are surrounded by atmospheres. The Earth's atmosphere acts as a kind of blanket or a shelter, keeping warmth in and keeping large celestial bodies out. We built a shelter from the rain. The atmosphere protects life on Earth. We built a shelter over there. It burns up the many meteoroids that head towards it. By the table. It allows liquid water to remain on the Earth. Just over there. It absorbs radiant energy from the sun. <laughs> we built ourselves. It helps the surface to retain heat. Yeah. And it reduces temperature extremes between day and night. It doesn't really let rain in. What's it like to fall asleep in the daytime? When you were sick the other day. Yeah, you were sleeping uh, really much. Oh yeah, I was. You were daydreaming all the time. I just fell asleep. And I didn't dream anything. I had my blanket with the holes in it uh, on the couch. I wasn't dreaming anything. I imagine... I imagine it to have been somehow very still that day, with crisp air and sunshine low winter sun and uh, that it was maybe a cold day outside uh, but she was all cosy under under her blanket on the couch i imagine flowers on the wallpaper and maybe the radio was on and she fell asleep And then what happens? What happens? What happens to dreams in the daytime? Do they move freely when the sun's shining outside? Well, yeah, but when you sleep in the day, you don't really dream. But then, if you dream in the day, it's exactly the same. The same as sleeping in the night. Do you think she was dreaming? I don't know. What can you hear in your dreams? Maybe. I imagine somehow. Maybe. Her dreams extending out from the house. Maybe. Up into the atmosphere. I imagine her dreams as frequencies sailing by meteorite bodies. Meteorite bodies on their journey towards Earth. And now there is light and heat and radio waves. And I imagine her dreams to be full of sound. 
I didn't have dreams. There were maybe a couple um little houses. Like really small ones. Um and um in every house there were like there was like a little um Uh, like a little radio. You, if you changed the settings to different radios, it would go to different sounds of um, trees. And this is how we feel the boundary. So like, it could have been... A material core tells us that we're pushing through. The, the leaves in the wind or any sound related to a tree. And you could switch to different like channels on the radio and it would be different sounds from the trees. By becoming light and heat and radio waves. And and we shed a trail of glowing matter in our wake. And there were like different things like that in the different houses. I think that one of them, I think, was. Oh, I just saw lightning. That one I liked the most, I think, because you could hear them moving in the when there was like when the water moved. I just saw lightning. Another one for for um, water plants was wasn't just for the plants; it was also for. But we still feel our material core, um, and it's shifting. Just any sound from I just saw lightning. The lake or in the sea or in the, or in the ocean even. We are rushing and cooling slightly. There were some like small trees. And, and having shed our outer layers in light and yeah, heat and radio. Flowers. It was very light. Having made it through the atmosphere, we break into smaller pieces. Over there. Um, it was really weird, I can't really describe it. I could, in the dream, it was like I already knew how how the like I I knew everything about the flower from uh, and we all collide with surfaces. spread out, we also come to rest. Impact affects impact, affects impact. And do you know what it was that woke her up? At around quarter to one in the afternoon, a meteoroid was flying through the sky, came flying towards the house. It was coming in the same direction as the sun's rays, and it crashed down through her roof 
through the ceiling. It hit the radio. Crashed onto the radio that was in the living room. It bounced off the radio and it hit her, hit her body. While she was sleeping on the couch. Maybe woke up. And that's how she woke up. Because of the meteor. With a big crash. Meteors are encounters between celestial bodies and atmospheric bodies. And then what happens? And then... And then there was stardust in the air. I think... Well, we don't really know, but we can um, we can guess, maybe. Ever since we broke away from parent bodies, we've been rushing through the darkness, slowly accumulating. I would guess that her mum heard the noise from the other room. And she probably came in. But now we're gathering speed. Yeah. She probably came running in to see what was what had happened. Friction is building. And then they would have found this meteorite on the floor and a big hole in the ceiling. And then they would have probably tried to work out what is this thing <laughs> that flew through the ceiling. Meteor bodies are bodies of encounter. They found out that it was a meteorite, billions of years old, from outer space. And suddenly, everything becomes light and heat. Can you imagine if, if that's what woke you up one, one day? <laughs> we become light and heat. And do you know what she even used it for? And maybe for a few moments, we become radio waves. She used it as a doorstop for a while. What? The rock, the meteorite. She used it to put in front of the door to stop the door from closing. And all of a sudden, we are in pieces. Mm. We are all melted particles and a shining trail of light. That was Meteor Bodies by Berlin-based radio artist and researcher Kate Donovan with mentorship from Katerina Metz. This piece was produced with the support of Radio Papayas' Luthier Festival and the You Are So Sound mentorship programme. Do go and explore Radio Papayas' brilliant archive for more. Okay, that's it from me. You've been listening to Transmitter, a social broadcast production. If you want more of this kind of thing, subscribe to xmtr.fm, our new platform 
dedicated to sonic storytelling, featuring works by radio makers, podcasters and sound artists from all over. I'll be back with more audio, radio and podcast discoveries in April.